0: Two men were crossing a field when they were spotted by a raging bull. The men took off running and running as fast as they can, making a mad dash for the fence. That bull in hot pursuit, it became really obvious they were not going to make it. So the, one guy turns to the other guy and says, John, John, put up a prayer, put up a prayer. And John's running along, and he says, I've never prayed in public. I don't know how to do that. I can't put up a prayer. And the guy says, you've got to. He's catching up with us. And John says, okay, well, I'll say the only prayer that I ever heard and I ever known. is the one that my dad used to use at the table. Dear Lord, please make us thankful for what we're about to receive. Being thankful in difficult times. Um, Last week I told you we were going to finish out the, um, the series on biblical leadership. And that's because I forgot that this week was Thanksgiving. So we're going to finish that out next week. We're going to talk a little bit about just a few principles. I can't cover the whole subject. But being thankful in difficult times. It may be the best time to be thankful. Father God, we thank you for this day and for your word and for the fact that we have a God-honoring legacy in this country. Father, we know there are those who want to rewrite history To look at it from a different lens, to look at it from a lens that tends to want to deny not only your existence, but anything where you have had an effect on our country. And Father, we know that recent years have been difficult times. But we thank you, Father, that you never change. We thank you, Father that you are always consistent. And we thank you, Father, that you will still hear our praise. As I open up your word today, Father, set my own sin aside. Speak through me. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Peter Marshall co-writes educational books for children on American history. One of the first ones that got a lot of traction is this one right here called The Light and the Glory, where he talks about the pilgrims coming over and the founding of our country. Thanksgiving has been always associated with difficult times. And those pilgrims, those pilgrims, they they had some really hard times. Nearly half of them died that first year with the voyage and trying to survive the winter. Yet they remembered, they are remembered for instituting the first Thanksgiving. And they're helped by an Indian by the name of Squanto. Historical accounts of Squanto's life vary, but historians believe that around 1608, more than a decade before the Pilgrims landed in the New World, a group of English traders led by Captain Hunt sailed to what today is called Plymouth, Massachusetts, when the trusting Wampanoag Indians came out to trade, Hunt took them prisoner and transported them back to Spain and sold them into slavery. It was a difficult time. But God had an amazing plan. Squanto was with that group. When they got to Spain, he was bought by a well-meaning Spanish monk who treated him well and taught him about Jesus and taught him about God. Squanto eventually made his way to England where he worked in a stable for a man named John Slaney. Now, John Slaney sympathized with Squanto's desire to return home, and he promised Squanto that he would send him back to America. Now, it would take another 10 years before a boat could be found that he could go back to the Americas. In 1619, after a decade of exile and heartache, Squanto boarded the ship. Yet more heartache awaited him. When he arrived in Massachusetts, he found out that an epidemic had wiped out his entire village. All of his relatives, his tribe, gone. We can only imagine what he thought, what must have been going through his mind. Why would this God that he has grown to love had allow him to go home against all odds to only find that his loved ones were dead? A year later, in 1620, The answer came, 102 English passengers boarded the Mayflower and sailed 66 days from England to the Americas, settling on the very land that was occupied by Squanto's people. And Squanto met them after they landed, and he greeted them in English, (laughs) which startled them, as you might well imagine. Pilgrim Governor William Bradford recorded this in his journal. Squanto continued with them and was their interpreter and was a special instrument sent of God for their good beyond their expectation. He directed them how to set their corn, where to take fish, how to procure other commodities and was their pilot to bring them to unknown places for their profit and never left them until he died. 102 get on the boat. 51 survived to make it through to that first Thanksgiving feast. And it was William Bradford who, after they had survived nearly a year in this land and had blessed, were blessed with a harvest, declared a public day of Thanksgiving should be observed. And they invited their Indian neighbors to come and join in in the celebration which lasted three days. Now, how could the pilgrims talk about thanksgiving in the midst of life's most difficult trials? Why not just just curse God and die? Yet they gave thanks for God's presence in their hardships because they knew that Struggles did not have to make them bitter. Those struggles could make them better. Bradford wrote a proclamation, that first Thanksgiving proclamation in this country. And it it reads in part like this. In so much as the great father has given us this year an abundant harvest and in so much as he has protected us from the ravages of the savages and has spared us from pestilence and disease and granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, Do proclaim that all ye pilgrims, along with your wives, ye little ones, do gather at ye meeting house on ye hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime on Thursday, November 29th of the year of our Lord, 1,623. And the third year since ye pilgrims landed on ye Plymouth Rock, there to listen to you, Pastor, and render thanksgiving to Almighty God for all of his blessings. So, if I go three hours this morning, there's historical precedence for it. Aren't you glad I don't? <laughs> you know, it'd be another 166 years before a Thanksgiving celebration was had again here. In fact, George Washington declared a day of Thanksgiving in 1789, and that practice vanished before Thomas Jefferson became our third president. It would be another 70 years before Abraham Lincoln would declare the first observance of a national holiday of Thanksgiving in 1863 During that time our nation was undergoing another very difficult time another hardship as the war between the states raged It was a difficult time And in that declaration Lincoln states this, I therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. Are you seeing a pattern here? You see, giving thanks in difficult times is an absolute necessity. Lincoln, in fact, believed that prayers of petitioning God's forgiveness were also in order because earlier that year, in March, Lincoln wrote a proclamation calling for a national day of prayer and fasting. And in there, he includes These words, intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. If you're wondering why I'm talking about this in church, it's because you're not going to hear it in the popular media. Almost sounds like today, doesn't it? Abraham Lincoln was not a deist and he wasn't too proud to realize that our country and even Lincoln himself needed God's grace and forgiveness. Nor was he too proud to ask the nation to thank Almighty God for blessing us and blessing our nation. In order to give thanks we need to be able to do several things. On your sheet there, number one, we need to recognize our need. The Israelites spent 400 years in captivity in Egypt, but it only took a few weeks out in the wilderness for them to grow accustomed to their newfound blessings. God had fed the nation with heavenly manna every morning. And after a short while, the people were getting tired of it. We read over in Numbers 11, the rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if we only had meat, we remember the fish we ate. In Egypt at no cost. Also, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We see nothing but manna. Nothing but manna. Here they were experiencing the miracle. Of God's provision, every morning. Yet they were no longer excited by it. Nothing but manna. By the way, do you know how many different ways you can cook manna? I don't either. <laughs> but I wonder, did, did 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 they did they just? Put it with water and make it like rice or maybe soup? Do you have to get creative with that, that turkey after Thursday to try to get rid of all the leftovers? Manna. Maybe they made manna soup. Maybe they tried manna cotti. <laughs> manna burgers. Manna bagels. Bow manna bread. <laughs> okay, blame Keith Green for all of that. Those are not mine. <laughs> Family, one evidence that shows that we have grown accustomed to our blessing is when we develop a a spirit of criticism, a spirit of complaining about our blessings and we forget where we're blessed and we develop a heart of ingratitude. Instead of thanking God for what we have, we complain and we tell him that we wished we had something else and you can be sure that if God gave us that something else, we would eventually complain about that. As well. Another piece of evidence is, is envy. Envy is rooted in ingratitude. The Israelites, they, they remembered the diet they had in, in Egypt and they longed to return to, to those vegetables, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. You can hear them. The people in Egypt have it so much better than we do. It's kind of ironic, don't you think? Slavery is a pretty high price to pay for for a change of diet. Yet, now that I think about it, many people prefer slavery over freedom. Galatians 5, from the message, Paul reminds us, he tells us, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never-satisfying wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. And then he says... I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Romans 3.23, for how many have sinned? All of us have sinned. And the wages of sin, Romans 6.23 is death but the gift of God is eternal life which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord you see friends in order for us to, to have a thankful heart we have to remember where we were and where we've come to not just look at where we are and what we don't have but remember where we were when Christ found us. Remember your baptism. We need to realize that without Christ, we perish. Jesus Christ, God Himself, willingly paid for our sin so that we don't have to perish. And that, that should cause us to be thankful every time we think about it. We also need to give thanks in all circumstances. Paul, you know, Paul had a lot of difficult times in his life, especially after he recognized Jesus as exactly who he said he was. Lots of difficult times. But he also learned how to live a content life. He says in Philippians 4, I have learned to be content in all circumstances. I know what it's like to be in need. And I know what it's like to have plenty. And I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Amen? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul's secret? Paul's secret is becoming a frog. F R O G, frog. frog. Okay, you lost me, Eric. I know. I'm just trying to make sure you're awake. The secret, every day and every way, fully rely on God. That's what he said. Remembering God in those times when there were blessings, when there was plenty, and remembering time God in those times that are more difficult, where there's want. Family of God, let me ask you, has God been faithful? Does God provide for you and your strength? Is God bringing you through your current circumstances, even though they may be hard, even though you may not see the end? Do you know he is there with you? Family of God, we need to practice thankfulness. Herb Miller, you may not have heard of Herb Miller. Herb Mer- Miller is um, uh, an author and a preacher, and he's, he's actually an editor of a, of a Christian magazine. He's written 14 books on stewardship and leadership. In one of those, he writes this. He says, Some people seem to have a knack for always seeing the good In a situation. This is seldom an accident. It's more like a mindset. Many persons who can't find something to be thankful for on the bad days also have trouble finding something to be thankful for on the good days. Thankfulness is a habit, not a result. Like many good qualities, when you practice it, You will have it. I I think he's right. Times are tough these days. No doubt about that. Yet difficult times are not uncommon, as I just laid out for you. Christians faced difficult times throughout history by relying on God's faithfulness, by relying on the truth of His Word, and we do it with thanksgiving. How different would your life be if you made the small change from thanksgiving to thanks living? As God remains faithful, we should remain thankful. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for providing for every need and even many of our wants. Most of all, we thank you for your Son, Jesus. For through him, you provided for us life everlasting. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. How different would your life be if you made the small change of going from Thanksgiving to Thanksgiving? Friends, Jesus does not promise us that life will be easy, but he does promise that if we accept him as Savior and make him Lord of our lives, we will never walk this life alone again. If you're here this morning and you're ready to accept his forgiveness and his offer of eternal life, why don't you come now as we stand and as we sing?